Hello, everybody. This is the Over My Shoulder Foundation gang on our weekly podcast. And today we thought we would try to talk about choosing our environmental challenges and talk about our early mentors on who awakened us to nature and environment and climate. And each of us have some pretty interesting stories um, about what got us involved in looking up, looking down, digging in the dirt. And I grew up in a town called Lincoln. And in Lincoln, uh, my backyard was the Audubon Society. And then right around the corner was Walden Pond with Thoreau. And we were kicked out the door early in the morning and told not to come home until the sun was going down. So we were forced to go and explore fields and ponds and, you know, just tune into the bullfrogs. So um, with that, we're going to open up the discussion about who our early mentors were and how they um, shape our consumption today in protecting the environment. Wow. You, you grew up near Walden Pond, Don? I used to ride my horse around Walden Pond. What? They let you ride uh, horses around they Walden they Pond? They didn't let you. I was a rebel. <laughs> I used to sneak in and go to the backside. Oh, man. And then I would hide in the foundation of Thoreau's house because the foundation is still there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, at least you didn't say I rode my ATV around Walden Pond. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled my Harley Davidson over there. <laughs> yeah, I left tire marks everywhere. Rubber, smoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, I love Walden Pond. It's it's one of my most favorite places in the world. Me too. There's something so special about that space, and um, not one of my early day mentors, but certainly one today was the efforts of um, Don Henley from the rock band The Eagles, who helped preserve it from developers because it's very valuable land. Really, it's Don Henley from The Eagles? Really? Oh my oh, goodness! I did. <laughs> I love the eagles. Yeah. What, Elizabeth? How, how old are you? How, how do you know about the eagles? How old are you, Elizabeth? I love the eagles. We're not, no, Elizabeth, we're not talking yeah. about the birds. We're talking about our group. I know, the Hotel California. <laughs> and see, that's what's happening to us you know when we know when i was young it was all about the eagles rock band and then you get a little older and then you're like not only is don henley handsome talented sensitive but he saved walden pond and started the walden woods project no way oh man yeah you know um, yes he did i remember that i um i was at at walden pond because I read Thoreau's work about being a minimalist. And um, there was a point in my life where I was really into trying to be a minimalist. You know, I failed. I failed, but I tried. And <laughs> I tried to get my friends to be minimalist with me, right? So, so I go to Walden Pond after reading, you know, his, his work and went to his cabin. I, I guess it's recreated. The, the one that you rode your horses there, I, I yeah. imagine. And I looked in the window and oh my God, first of all, the cabin is like smaller than a storage shed, right? <laughs> it must be like three oh. by five, three by five, something like that. And hmm. there's a bed in there, like one bed. And it's, it's probably smaller than a twin bed. And there's a desk and there's a chair and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's wow. it. 
that's the deal. Yeah, talk yeah. About being minimalist, huh? I, no, but he had a pen. He had a pen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's such a special place because yeah. as soon as you get near it, you just feel like you're channeling, you know, Thoreau's energy. You know, you just look at the water and the and the trees sort of embrace you, and and it's a it is a very special place. I like it there this time of year too. I'm not sure if the colors have turned yet or maybe it's past the colors now. Well, thanks to our early Halloween snowstorm we had here in Boston last week. Um, there's, everything's a bit of a mess. There's still some trees. There's a lot of broken branches because the it was heavy, thick, white snow. Um, and the leaves are still on the trees. And that's where, you, again, you would just say, oh my God, What's going on with the climate? You know, and I rushed home, and we're trying to get the snow off the leaves and protect the trees. And <laughs> oh no, oh, no more colors then. No, there's still some colors, but we're we're pretty much past colors now, and we're into the stick season, as we call it, the leafless, um, hibernating trees. The stick season, <laughs> the cold season. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. So who wants to start with who mentored them um, the most? Um, you know, who set the foundation of this conversation in your youth? There's silence. All right. I can talk about my um, mentor. Um, can you hear me, guys? All right. Yes. Okay, great. I thought I'm losing my internet again. <laughs> So, okay, my um, mentor is Miss Gina Lopez, and just to give you a quick uh, background of me, I actually grew up in Manila, in the slum, and here in Manila, but when I turned 13 year old, we had to move back to the province because we just couldn't afford to live in Manila anymore, and my parents thought that in the province we can plant cassava, sweet potato, and not go hungry. And when I was 13 year old, you know, I we lived in a mountain, and that's where I when I started um, appreciating the environment, how important the trees, how important the you know, they give us food, the plants, how important the environment, the nature is. Because without nature, without healthy nature, we won't get any food. So, um, and then when I was already like around um, 25 year old, Miss Gina Lopez was becoming popular here in the Philippines because she became the secretary of uh, the DNR, Department of Environment uh, Department here in the Philippines. And our president Rodrigo Duterte really liked her because of her background. Um, back in 1999, the main source of water here in Manila was the La Mesa shed, watershed. 75% of the trees were were destroyed by illegal loggers, by caingin, and there were people who was living there. And you're you know you're not supposed to to leave there because you will make the, the water dirty, right? So so she started this foundation to take care to to rebuild that watershed in in Manila Dam, which is so amazing. And she just um, now that that um, now we have a mini forest in, 
in the center of Manila, which is amazing. And it's actually very close to my place. I could just, you know, take a, a car for 15 minutes and I'll get there. And you can do like, you can walk inside the forest. And for me, I like to call it as my detox for my lungs because inside the, that mini forest, there's really no pollution. Um, and she taught us how to tell if there is a pollution in the area is when you see that white kind of like spots on the trees, that means that there's no pollution in that specific area, which is um, amazing, right? Because it's amazing that in, in a like super polluted city, you have this kind of like place to at least um, detox your lungs and breathe fresh air and uh, that for me that is very very amazing and I, I don't think without Miss Gina Lopez I won't we won't have that we won't have that um, she was actually have this term she's always tell it every every time that you know when you're stressed you don't go to the highway to EDSA right <laughs> when you're stressed you always look go to nature you, you you want to be in a place where there's trees where there's birds and I was like you know what that makes so much sense we, we don't go to the malls when we're stressed and tired we we always want to go hiking or we want to go to the park and that's why she's um, really encouraging to build less malls and build more parks instead, just like the, the the Mesa watershed and plant more trees instead, because, you know, it's just very important for, for the humankind. The nature is just so important. I mean, the fresh air, right? So that's why I love Miss Gina Lopez so much. And unfortunately, she died years ago. And but you know, I'm. <laughs> I think now that I'm living really close to that area, I'll make sure that they won't destroy that watershed again. Just like what happened back in 1999, where I was only nine year old and had no idea about nature and you know stuffs like this. So yeah, so she's my mentor. <laughs> All right, person. That sounds like. Yeah, a that sounds like Central Park in Manila. Yeah, and by the way, here's an amazing story uh, because Barry, she actually um, went to Africa in Kenya. She became a missionary. Uh -huh. So, uh, and you know how in Africa that they have, they don't have enough water, right? I think the water is the problem in Kenya. And she said when she was there, she only had, she can only have one pail of, of water for her shower and the rest of that mm. and she needs to save a little bit of water to wash her clothes that's it and that's wow for her it was like you know when when you have when you almost have nothing that's when you appreciate how much you have and wow. that, that's how you yeah. appreciate i think that's why uh, when she came back to the philippines and she knew that the watershed was being destroyed and you know how in Africa, how water was important. One pail of water was important. I think that's that's why she, you know, funded this organization and protected the water Manila watershed. And it's just so amazing. Uh -huh. um, I'm seeing the stories in India. In India, they have terrible. They have dirty water. It's it's crazy. And I feel sorry for them, for these people. They were drinking water from that river, and it was like brown. It was so dirty. 
And it just yeah. makes me appreciate Miss Gina Lopez even more because without her, we would be, I think we would end up like, like India or Africa, you know, we won't have enough source of clean water. Wow, water is so important. Did, did, weren't you working on a water project, Barry, at one point? A water project of, of for oceans and all of that, or, or just conservation? For yeah, I, I remember you and I talked about the issue with water, just getting, you know. Well, yeah, I've been, um, I've been dealing with the whole water situation a, lot, a while. Uh, especially like with with Africa and and I got involved in in water issues and I first first got attached to it when I used to speaking of Africa when I would when I would see the films of all the big young the young uh, uh, well I'll call them young girls who had to you know they had to carry the water for miles to to use the, from the source or whatever the source was they had for drinking and uh, it was a uh, it was just really really rough and I got into it again with uh, with all the water issues like I said historically I, I just got into the whole thing of of how water uh, is so important obviously for agriculture and for mm-hmm. and for health obviously and uh, that's how I I got into watching watching movies like Aaron Brockovich even though I'm, I joke about it but Aaron Brockovich was uh, so uh, and she was young at the time that she got involved in in all these things and the water water and climate and all these things are just really one thing we don't realize it's really uh all all goes together you know uh, with with uh, pollution and how they lay uh, how they lay the the pipelines for for natural gas and and all of and oil and obviously we know what happens when when there's an oil oil leak uh, what happens to the water? What happens to the animals? Which affects everything that grows. Uh, it affects the agriculture. And I got into this, you know, even younger. When I was a little kid, I used to plant beans. Uh, northern, they call them northern beans in St. Louis. I used to plant these beans because I, I love to see things grow. And I would plant these beans in our backyard. And they would ask, watching them, I'd go out there every day and watch them, you know, peek up from the dirt. And then they would just continue to grow and uh, get uh, get leaves and the whole bit. And ever since then, I've been very much uh, into the whole idea of water. And, and of course, you know, water growing uh, the crops and how, how we are how we are so, you know, the whole idea of growing things is, is under so much threat. And actually I found that a lot of young people are in, are into all of this. Uh, even the kids in, in Florida who were into, uh, 
the whole school shooting, school shootings and all that, they become mentors for us older people about how important, you know, climate is and uh, protecting the water sources and all that stuff. So I've been, uh, I do stay uh, attached to the whole thing. We don't really realize how, how much young people are into nature. I did, uh, as we were talking about this, I realized that uh, uh, a friend of mine who I've known for years, we used to go on, we used to take out uh, young people um, to what in New York, the, the Hamptons, uh, where we would take them on what we called adventures. And we would we would go into all the wooded areas and we would be surprised how how much young people love being in nature and it brings out something in them that maybe us older uh, people just like Elizabeth is explaining her experience with her her mentors uh, the young people you know especially from poorer in, in this country, they they don't get a chance to be in nature. I mean, because they, they never get out of their neighborhoods, and then mm-hmm. then when they do get when they do get around nature, they seems like their lives uh, you know light up, and it, it improves their their uh, feelings about uh, where some of the tougher things that they have to deal with. And this, of course, then I ended up getting involved in in some projects of, uh, you know, city gardens and uh, got some of the young people involved in planting in, uh, in, the, in the city. And now there are a lot of projects of, you know, city, city uh, gardens and, of course, you know, uh, grow, growers in metropolitan areas uh, actually growing. I, I think uh, young people are very much interested in that and starting uh starting these kinds of businesses you know not just the one that you started alex with uh marijuana but just i mean really oh me 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 and snoop me and snoop yeah (laughs) actually actual actual food and just think the, 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 as we talk about designing the next generation, these young people are the ones who are going to 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 uh, to actually lead this because they they are the ones who are threatened with all the the unhealthy food uh, and the bad agriculture and growing uh, no healthy food around and they're they're very active in that so I've I've actually have uh, these young kids are are mentioning us in that area. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, you know, it's like, and it's funny because in this COVID time, we've all been forced to, um, you know, myself anyway, think of what Elizabeth was just talking about. You know, if I can't leave my house or I don't want to leave my house or I'm afraid to leave my house, what do I need here to survive? And, you know, all of a sudden I was like, can I turn my, my, um, non-gardening skills into great gardening skills and learn how to do stuff um, and how to grow your own food. So getting back to basics. And it's really been a fun project just to get to know how to do everything like that because we just never did that growing up 
you know, in, in my household. You went to the grocery store, you ate whatever you, you took off the shelf, and you didn't worry about consequences. And now we're learning there's so many consequences into not eating healthy organic food and all that, what that processed food did to us. And, you know, for some of us, it might be a little too late, but it's been really fun learning about all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, tell us more about um, your early mentors. You know, I, I, I grew up in big cities too. I, you know, uh, Vietnam, Thailand, San Francisco, you know, always surrounded by buildings. And um, like Barry said, you know, <clears throat> it, was, it was eye-opening to get out amongst trees. And, and you're right, Barry, you know, living tough neighborhoods you hardly hardly see the trees you know you see buildings and cement um but but i read you know i i read books and one of the books that i ran into was a adventure photography book by galen rowell and you know i didn't know who galen rowell was at the time but i enjoyed the the photos because you know he would climb mountains and he would send this and send that and he would bring pictures back but by the way this is before instagram before facebook live before (laughs) all of this Mm -hmm. so it was really special to see you know what mount everest looks like Mm -hmm. what k2 looks like what what the top of uh, el capitan looks like in yosemite so i i was riveted so Mm -hmm. i i just consumed i went to the library consumed everything that that he produced and you know and I thought, you know what? I'm going to grow up to be an adventurer. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go out there. I'm wow. going to, you know, he, he inspired me. But the more that I learned about him, the more that, 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 that I, I heard what he said. He said, you know what? The, conservation is everything because without conservation, there would be no places, no mountains to climb, no forest to see, no, no adventures. <laughs> you would just go out, you know, be cement everywhere. Wow. <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and it's funny because because uh, he, he was one of the environmentalists that that helps to keep protecting Yosemite, my favorite place in the world. Um, and he is his mentor was um, John Muir, you know, and John Muir basically helped set up conservation of the right. whole Sierras. Um, so. So yeah, he you know he was definitely my mentor there, and and I I think I came about it because of photography and because of of the the he wrote a book called The Art of Adventure. I, I love that title, The Art of Adventure. You know? mm-hmm. um, right. So so that became yeah. my thing. I just um, I was so motivated that when I was a kid, I actually hiked. I did the um, the um, half dome loop and that's that's quite a hike because it's you know you, you got to start at 4 a.m it takes you about six hours to get up there you know and then wow. when you get up there you're you're meted you're, you're met with this 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 chain like ladder or chain chain link ladder and the last portion of this is where you have to climb like sheer granite Okay, and this is why people just give up because it's just way too scary. And then when you get to the top, it's very slippery, but but you're supposed to walk to the edge of Half Dome and then just look down onto the valley of Yosemite. Um, and then and then you can't stay for long because if it took you six hours to get up there, it'll take you six hours to get back. So, you know, you enjoy the view for like minutes and then 
you have to descend. And then the descent, believe it or not, is worse than ascent because your legs have just given up. You know, mm -hmm. your legs are gone, you're shot, but you have to go down quickly because if you don't, the weather hits you because you're up in high altitudes. Um, so anyways, I, I did that as a kid. I went all the way to to um, the chain link ladders and I, I, I'm scared of heights, so I didn't do the last part. But <laughs> 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 oh yeah now you tell us yeah. right now, right <laughs> the, the art of adventure right i was in the connected right. dots i wasn't in the, the full artist mode <laughs> so. wow wow that's amazing that's an amazing deal there you know it's just i love that story alex because you know i think you know i go back to when i was really young um, in St. Louis and this kind of taps into something Dawn had said about her uh, was it is it was it David Attenborough Dawn yeah. uh, and I used to you know, it's funny I wonder if this connection to nature is not a for lack of a better word a natural thing in in us some of us get a chance to we, we actually make it happen like alex you did and like just and in my case it was circumstance i was working with with young kids uh core core kids i was working with them in terms of that but you know it, it is i was watching in st louis i was growing up david attenborough who's now what is he 90 right don he's 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 about 90, 90 young. now. Right? Yeah, he's, he's like halfway 90. halfway through his and, life right now. He's on a mission. <laughs> and I used to, and he's got a new, he's got a new, uh, he's got a new program. But I would sit knowing nothing about uh, conservation or the environment or whatever. But when his, when his uh, programs would come on, I would just sit there glued yeah. to the TV. Right. Knowing nothing about any of that, but fascinated by what he was talking about and his passion for for conservation and the environment and uh, a lot of water things he did, which I was definitely connected to that, even though I confessed to Alex in another conversation that I never learned to swim. And he has been... <laughs> oh, uh, that, that's what you and Elizabeth yeah, have in common. Been, <laughs> Oh yeah, Elizabeth, you never learned to swim. No, I I live in, in a house that's like right next to the river, and I never learned to swim. Uh, I am the I only never, sibling I'm, who doesn't know how to swim. The, the eight, it, it, it's, the eight they know. It's, 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 <laughs> Elizabeth, this is so great for me to hear, <laughs> I, because. Alex has, you know, he uses this against me, and he, every time I talk to him, he, when we talk about this, but Attenborough, Attenborough was very much into the whole water situation, and I, I'm just thinking that for the next, for the young, I think the younger group, my, I wonder if if they're going to be into conservation as much as they are through necessity or will because of what's happened with climate and everything and the, how, how growing and the, all the 
forest land and stuff is threatened. Is it a, is it a natural thing in us? This, this explorer, this explorer uh, uh, thing, and will the young, the young, or the next generation maybe will just do it as a matter of course? They, you know, due to necessity or this whole natural thing, maybe these two things will will coalesce in a way that this natural thing for uh, being in nature and nurturing nature, so to speak, will be much more out there. Uh, and now that, uh, you know, we have just got a new uh, president, I'm just wondering, since he's, he and his folks are into all of this conservation stuff, I wonder will that, will we actually enter a new, uh, a new uh, era of being more concerned about, you know, the environment and growing and and the pollution and all of it. Kind of an interesting thing, but the young people are already there. I mean, these 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 uh, these folks are are obviously there. There are some of them who are obviously obviously uh, very political, very much into it, and and they have the energy. You know, they have the energy to pursue it. Uh, where as we gotten as we some of us have gotten older, we get kind of set in our ways and don't want to challenge these newer things the way the way they do. So they're they're really mentoring us in this area. If if we'll listen, <laughs> but some of us don't listen, right? Yeah, if we'll listen. Yeah, yeah, we we don't, and that's the problem. We 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 don't want to listen to them, and uh, they are really on top of this. Well, it's interesting, Barry, that you said you know that um, you know during the COVID lockdown, I was able to get some writing done, and I was looking for um, explanation to my behavior, meaning you know what was I going to do being landlocked and not being able to get to the ocean, which is where I tried to spend as much time of my life as possible. You know, we just didn't know what our future would lead to, so I was researching an article that I wrote, and I found this word, and this word is pet. Petrichor, and I'd never heard of it before, but the word petrichor is, is sort of like our instant recognition to what nature is. And there's scientific belief that this is all passed on by our ancestors, like water falling from the sky would mean survival. Um, you know, so there, it was a really fascinating um, exploration because that led to a different conversation about heat you know and the first organized flames were in the deserts of africa and it wasn't just to keep warm and to cook your food but it was also for social gathering and and to connect and and to talk about the importance of life and the individual lives and you know so it was a really interesting little moment you know that um fertilized creativity to get the pen going you know just to understand why we're addicted to nature 
there. And, you know, there is a science behind it and there is a belief that it's all passed on by our ancestors, you know? So it's like without the ocean, there is no life without the bees. There is no life. Wow. And if we listen to David Attenborough, you know, we've got like 10 years to figure this out or it's done, you know? And, and when you really right. let that, sink in, you know, um, it hopefully propels us all to kind of um, adopt a new challenge of some sort. Um, so That's fascinating. Yeah, and there have been, there have been these, there's been, you know, just think about how there have been these social efforts to, to deal with all of this, uh, but over time, you know, especially like Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth was talking about Africa. There, you know, going back, I don't know how long there's been these issues about water and uh, with Africa. We just con continue to think there's this false thing that there's so much water, and uh, uh, why are we why are we uh, concerned? I mean, this planet is I don't know how many of our seven tenths. Alex, you would probably know how many tenths water that the planet is but it's just interesting now that there seems to be a, a necessity to the whole thing that wasn't there before uh, even in watching some of the situations like Elizabeth was talking about in Africa until something really touches your own life you know, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, we don't, we don't get, oh, that's nice. Oh, oh, the environment. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, oh, better, better growing. Oh, these oil spills. Oh, well, there's nothing happening to me. But now here we have COVID and all of it seems to be uh, coming together, you know, around the sustainability of our of our of ourselves, the planet, our loved ones, it seems to all be upon us, and it's kind of a shock, you know. But then, then I thought, well, there are some people who, you know, how how, how will they how will we raise our children, and what will they be about the ones that are coming forth? I mean, my daughter's having a child. And what will that, what will that child, uh, will that child naturally be into conservation and, you know, uh, understanding the effect of oil spills? And then I, I, I realized that, well, there are people, well, like one of your, well, your heart throbs, Dawn, Brad Pitt, who, <laughs> who, who, uh, he and Angelina we're going Jolie. Brad, are we? Or is this whole conversation shifting to Brad? Uh -oh. I, I just, it Don't just, get started, Barry. Alex, it, it just free, it just was free flowing. I remember, uh, and of course, I was more into the Angelina Jolie side of that relationship, but but that's another story. But he, they tried to. They tried to raise, from what I understood and listening to, to him, they tried to raise their kids to be conscious of all of this. And, and uh, you, well, you may know, Don, that uh, Brad's into uh, architecture and building sustainable housing and all that stuff. Very environmentally, very environmentally connected. 
uh, and has given a lot of money to uh, sustaining the the environment. And uh, I just thought that was very interesting in terms of how how we how, how are the young people going to be how we're going to raise young people or will they what like you were saying Don, will they natural will it just be natural that they'll just automatically see uh conservation and growing like like the the, the greta the greta the greta uh exactly uh, thunberg. young lady greta you know? thunberg I yeah <laughs> yeah uh, just think about that. Yeah, and, and she's already there. So young, and to go up against the, the you know the whole world. Actually, you know, it's funny. I read that it started. Her mom was an international opera singer, and she was asking her mother to lower her carbon footprint and not fly and use airplanes anymore. Which, for an international singer, as we all know, because of our Patty Austin, you know, how do you do that? And then Greta, when she was invited to go to the United Nations, she didn't fly. She didn't take a speedboat. She took a sailboat. Wow. <laughs> and like, sailed like across the, old days. the Atlantic to New York City. <laughs> yeah, like the old days. And you just wonder, where did this young lady get such a strong and loud um, voice and brave voice, you know, to, um, you know, and she really taught all of us so much because, you know, we all think things but are afraid to say them. And she just came out and said this is how I feel you're ruining my future shame on all of you I mean she scolded the world and the most powerful leaders and, and that was amazing to me yeah 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 that's what I say it's interesting that that the, the young this next generation it, it I mean uh, she's just one great example but there are more like her I mean they aren't all out there her 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 story is of course amazing. I'm just wondering. I just think this is a natural, going to be a more of a natural thing in the in young people, even her age, and I think even on an educational thing that when you think about how how what's going to be taught whenever we get back to the schooling or around, you know, the fact that young kids have access to so much information now through technology, you know, uh, what's going to be, there'll be, will there be more and more Greta's uh, who, who maybe not as dynamic and brave as her, but there are these younger younger people out there yeah i think i think there will be more uh, in the next generation i'm a millennial so i think in generation c there'll be there'll be more on that generation that will care about the you know the environment or the global warming because i'm actually like based on the data that they did is that in in Every generation, like in silent generation, 58% of them believe how important, you know, the global warming is, you know. And then the boomers, uh, 63% of them care about it. The Generation X, 69% care about it. And in millennials, 
for us, 73% of us care about it. So, wow. you know, if you check these statistics, it just keeps going up. So I think the generation Z, probably 80% of them will care about the environment. So the next generation after that, probably 90% of them will care about it. What's left it's, of the environment anyways? <laughs> <laughs> At this rate. Uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, the, the, for me uh, personally, the, the the reason why I do really care about climate change because as you know, I am living in the Philippines and we are like an island, right? A small island in Asia and we are facing Pacific Ocean. And here in the Philippines, we always get a lot of typhoon, actually super typhoons. In the past few weeks, we've got two super typhoons. And and the global warming is also affecting the the farmers. Um, I was a farmer like seven eight years ago, and I would always remember the older people would say, "You know what? It's just so hard to farm nowadays because you just can't tell when the typhoon is coming." In a in a you know twenty years ago during this time we won't get any typhoon. That's why our harvest was better. But nowadays you just can't tell anymore because typhoon will destroy their plants, their rice, their bananas, everything. Typhoon would destroy everything. So that's that's for me personally, that's why I am I really, really care about environment and climate change because it does affect the people that are really close to my heart, you know, my relatives who are farmers. And the entire Philippines always get typhoons. Oh, yeah. You get the first wave always, right? Always, yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. it starts as a uh, low pressure area in the Pacific Ocean and then boom, it hits the Philippines. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we probably man. get 25 uh, storms, including typhoons, a year. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, going back to Greta, I think that's why Greta was in, so inspiring, you know, like in, that, uh, in, in her speeches, you know, she was just so succinct in what she would say, you know, where she'd talk to global leaders and says, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. Um, she, she doesn't talk like a 17 year old, does she? <laughs> and that's the other thing that's amazing about her because she, she, um, um, you know, has a challenge, and um, you know she um, she's she ha you know she says that her her challenge is to speak only when it's necessary, and it's a medical condition. So boy, did she find her voice during a, a crisis, and you know, to, and how she found that um, courage to go and address people, you know. And she says, "I want you to act as if the house is on fire because mm -hmm. it is." Right. And that was, uh, and then she wow. walked away, and we're like, it's like, wow. Who is this young lady? <laughs> well, you, you know, wow. you know, um, it's it's amazing that she was able to get her voice out there, and I think thanks to modern communication, social media, whatnot, it it happened, and I'm happy for that. But you know, the challenge that we have, I think, culturally, is that old people. I count myself as an old person. Uh, they're they're reluctant to listen 
to some whippersnapper, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not, I know better. I've been here for 55 years and whatever. Um, but, but sometimes though, you know, mentoring goes both ways, right? Sometimes, right. you know, they have more current data, <laughs> more mm-hmm. openness, more awareness than, than people who have been here for how many years. Right. Well, it's like, you know, back to that Thoreau, you know, and how he inspired us, you know, one of his um, quotes was, things don't change, we change, you know, so us old folks, hopefully will change by the energy and inspiration of the young folks and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they, yeah. they have more at stake, right? Because they will die off before they get old. So they have more at stake. They, they got to make sure the house is in order. The earth is in order. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you guys in California has been having drought for years? Oh my God, man, Barry, you, you and I are, we're in California and we talked about water earlier. There's no water in California. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Isn't, isn't that well, enough for, for people, you know, in California to think about and do something to no, care about no, the no, environment. Elizabeth. Isn't that enough? <laughs> no, no. Do they want no, to experience no, what's not. happening no, in no, Africa? <laughs> no, no. I, like I say, unless unless you turn the faucet and no water comes out, yeah. you're still you're you're thinking, well, it's not affecting me. What what what's the problem? Every time I turn, you know, they keep talking about water conservation and only use this amount, blah blah blah. But unless some, that's what's so weird about all this stuff we're talking about, unless it affects for us older people, and Alex was just mentioning, unless for us older people, unless it affects us directly, we're kind of set in our our comfort zones and say, oh, 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 that's so sad what happened over there in the Philippines. Oh, the typhoons. That's so bad. But we now we know, now that we know you, Elizabeth, we, we're, it's closer. I think when things, that's what I think is different about the time we're in now. So many people are affected by uh, climate and pollution and, and these things of, of drought. Uh, whereas, you know, look, there's been droughts in Africa forever. Mm-hmm. But now we we are here here as Americans. We just thinking about we just think about stealing somebody else's water, you know. And around the world, I know, right? <laughs> uh, around the world, the the wars are going to be over water. You're right. I mean, and the, the whole thing is uh, so now one country will dam off the water supply of another uh, rather than bomb bomb them we just cut off their water supply it, it's just so it's just so crazy the way uh, the way we're the way we're going now with with uh, with all of the, the nature nature as a weapon it's just really really a crazy a crazy time we're in but the drought here is is ongoing and of course leads to the fires oh yeah big fires north and south (laughs) goodness gracious yeah so we yeah we just and you know like i say you don't know until it's right in your backyard which is i got caught up in an evacuation of uh, a couple of weeks ago where 
all of a sudden you're you're, you're just kind of cruising along and all of a sudden there's sirens and going on saying you've got to get out you've got to get out you've got to get out immediately and um you know you you're of course Elizabeth aware of all this because you know in the Philippines you know I was there in a typhoon once and so it's it's different you know we're there doing a wonderful little show with Patty Austin and we're there totally great we love our Filipino friends and all of a sudden all the power goes off at the the show and we're thinking well wait a minute are we going to make it out of this? I mean, and uh, it's different when it comes right at, right next to you. And maybe it'll change things now with the young people leading the way, dragging the older people along who feel that these things are much closer to their their lives their lives than it used to be. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It, it can't come soon enough because I think we lost all of our trees. We had that epic fire in oh, yeah. Northern California and, you know, the skies turned orange. Looks like a scene from, yeah, from Blade I Runner. Saw that. My God. I, yeah, I woke up. I, I, yeah. Oh, I, I thought it was still nighttime. It was, it was like I've seen theory. A, I've seen that I've seen that here that's a that's a scary a scary sight and you know I tell you man when you when you add all the different environmental factors like wind like we had we had we had Santa Ana wind oh yeah to blow the fire to blow the fire you know where they couldn't contain it it just kept it kept getting blown to different areas and so uh once that happens you know you just you're at the mercy of nature yeah well yeah that's the that's the problem with climate change is that you know some parts of the world are not getting water that way it's and it's easy to burn forests in in those part of the world just like in california here in the philippines we have so much water because we always get rains and typhoons here in the philippines you will never heard of a forest fire because the forests are you know are so wet so right. we have the opposite yeah. problem here. Here we get floods, landslides because of yeah. too much water, and in some other yeah. part of the world, this fire. And and you know, see how how water is important and how trees are important. It's it all comes together. The the water, the trees, because the trees uh, keeps water in in you know, in the soil. Yeah. It keeps the soil. Yeah wet so if the soil is wet if the trees has enough water carry water if they're not dry then you won't get this this wildfire that you're getting right now yeah right so don who was your um environmental mentor well, it's really, like I said, you know, I was so lucky that I was sort of surrounded by all these um, nature mentors. And, you know, we had large, vast plots of land near where we lived because the residents of the town I grew up in, Lincoln, worked hard to purchase land and turn it into conservation land. And, you know, in, in the 70s, we would all look at them and say, what do you mean I can't ride my horse or my mini bike through this land? What are you doing? You're taking away my <laughs> 
freedom. <laughs> oh no, I know. It's, 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 the, it's the American wine. <laughs> You're taking away my freedom. <laughs> you know, and you know, and, and I, you know, with my horse, they gave me, you know, when you were able to ride your horse around, you know, and I was so lucky, you know, I mean, I was really fortunate that I had these things, but you know, you, as a kid, you don't know that. And, you know, you're, you know, making fun of these people who were trying to buy this land and buy that land. And now when you go and you walk through these sacred places, you're just like how intelligent they were and how smart they were because, you know, every square inch of our planet is under development now. And, you know, you just see the land getting stripped and habitats getting stripped. And, you know, why do you have certain animals all of a sudden appear in your yard because they have nowhere to go. They've been forced out of their environment. Um, you know, so my earliest mentor, you know, was probably Audubon because we lived literally seconds away from, um, you know, Drumlin Farm. And Drumlin Farm, you know, just kind of had all these trails and these secret spots that us kids could go hide from adults from. And that was really cool. But my very first person who really influenced my life and probably, you know, kept me company my entire life was a man named Dr. Roger Payne. And Dr. Payne moved to Lincoln with his family and he was researching whales. And again, in the 70s, you know, we would look at the ocean and not even think about what was under the water. We were just learning about it because of Jacques Cousteau. You know, he was taking us under the water and we're like, wow, there's a world there, you know. <laughs> and um, Dr. Dr. Payne, um, because I was so into music and I was so into sound, that was my first thing, he discovered that whales sing. And that really caught my attention as a kid. And I was like, you know, what do you mean whales sing? And, and I remember, you know, his daughter would come to school and play these recordings for us. And, and it was mesmerizing. You know, again, that thing that Barry was talking about before, you know, the sound um, is something that I think we just get from our ancestors. It's, it's something that just sort of rattles you to your core. And they would sh show images. And I do remember when the first time an image of a whale came up and it was just the eye and the eyes staring into you. It was something that was, you know, it was a weird spiritual thing for a little kid. It was scary. It was fascinating. It was intriguing. It was all of those things. And um, so because of that early little seed, that has planted, um, you know, pretty much every moment of my free time, I try to figure out something I can do, um, you know, to either get out and see the whales, go see if you can swim with the whales, protect the whales. And at this point in my life, it's all about protecting because so many of them are facing extinction right now. Um, so Dr. Payne was definitely one of my early heroes. He still works in whale research. He has a, a organization called the Ocean Alliance, which is also nearby. And they, believe it or not, study snot from whales. So using drone technology, he's um, mm. find a way to collect mm. samples from the exhale. You know, when we all hear that whale mm. exhale, yes. and there's that, that spray that comes flying out. Um, yes. He takes analysis of that. That's their snot? That's their snot. That's a oh, whale snot. <laughs> I have never thought about it that way. Ew. 
video. <laughs> you know, so out of that collection, you know, they can study all these amazing things, you know, DNA, hormones, stress hormones, they, you know, they can track wow. behavior, you know, and, and in particular, when you get into these, the, the northern right whales, you know, up until just a few weeks ago, they thought there was 400 of them left um, in the world. And it was devastating news came in that there's probably only 350. And there's a little guy, you know, with 400 pounds of fishing gear hanging out of his mouth fighting for his life now. So the whole state of Massachusetts, the whale people are out trying to get, you know, cut more and more of this fishing gear out of this whale's mouth and save this poor little guy. You know, um, yeah. And to think, to think 100 years ago, we almost hunted all whales to extinction, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, humpback whales are so curious and so friendly and like even mm -hmm. gray whales off of the coast of California, which I hope to see once this pandemic comes through. But yes, so come on over. <laughs> right? I'm mm -hmm. coming back. Um, but they'll come right up to the boat and sometimes they want to be pet and sometimes they just yeah. stare at you. And, um, you know, it's if, if you can't get to see them, that's what I've loved about Instagram. For me, Instagram has been my, um, my National Geographic, my introduction to adventure photographers and you know you can follow a young man um an australian photographer named matt draper mm -hmm. and his images of of the whales because he snorkels he swims right up to them right. and um his photography just makes you just stay in right? awe exactly yeah. yep yeah so dr payne was one of my earliest thoreau and dr payne i love thoreau i don't know dr payne but now i'm, I'm gonna look him up that is awesome. <laughs> John, you got to come here in the Philippines. There's this place in Cebu where you can swim with the whale. It's, oh, my God. How cool is that? <laughs> this is a specific whale. They are the, 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 the you know, kind one. They, they won't eat you. Won't I don't know what's you. the English term for that, but it's, it's called Bhutanting here in the Philippines. Okay. And yeah, it's yeah. really awesome. But when you go swim with them, uh, you can't wear put on sunscreen because, you know, it's sunscreen is bad for them, for, mm -hmm. for the ocean and especially for the whales. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah, so they still take care of them. Yeah. And that's a really good point just to, you know, as far as, you know, what what can we do to to help out? You know, that's been a really fun um you know, for the last year, what do you reach for when you go shopping? You know, when you reach for the classic con container of milk or do you reach for the glass, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've had a, an allergic reaction now to plastic for over a year and it's been fun trying to figure out how to go plastic free and it's been educational. And then, you know, eventually zero waste. And, and what do you buy that actually hurts the planet, you know, um, like sunscreen, you know, that was something I only learned about, you know, maybe two years ago of just, you know, and you look at the beaches and how many people are in there just slathering this on and it's destroying the coral reefs, you know, and just getting that message out, you know, and talking to the companies, you know, change your products. You can use natural products that, you know, may not do the exact same thing, Thing, but if you use them right, it will. Um, it's education. You know, everything is is learning, and you've got to you know get these little moments where you can spread the word and educate people. So let's do that. Let's 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 pick a product for Christmas that you know has a lower impact on the environment than 
than other products. What do you think of that? A, a, a green holiday instead of a snowy holiday? <laughs> that that makes sense to me. Yeah, a green holiday. That way we can all participate. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'm still stuck on swimming with the whales. See, <laughs> that's going to inspire you and Elizabeth to learn to swim. So I know, right? Oh. No. You know what? I didn't really wish I can swim so I can, you know, like visit this whale in somewhere in Cebu. It's. <laughs> I'm just so scared of water. That's a problem with me. Well, <laughs> so like, w- when we have our podcast from the Philippines, you and Barry will be, you know, sipping <laughs> your drinks, your boat drinks on the boat, and then me and Don will be touching the whales. Yeah. <laughs> with no sunscreen. No. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. It's not, not going to happen, Alex. It's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Uh, Christmas gifts, ideas. Um, yes. I can start. Um, okay. Right here. Well, I'm here in the Philippines, so it's. I think for me, it's might be a little bit different. Um, I think if I were to give gifts to my friends, I would give them this um, natural uh, shampoo, and it's from the brand called Love Beauty and Planet, and this company. Uh, Great name. Yeah, they they use reusable products, and they they try to you know when they produce pro- their products, they try to leave very very small uh, carbon footprints, which is amazing. They're based in Thailand, and I've been using this product for a while, and it's really good. And maybe like reusable bags is is a great um, Christmas gift too. That way, you know, they won't have to use prop. Uh, Plastics whenever they buy products from supermarkets. So, yeah, I think those are the two <laughs> for me. What was the name of the, the, the product again? Oh, it's Love, Beauty, and Planet. I'm not sure if, That's if they cool are this, <laughs> right? They are yeah. distributing in, in USA, but they are based in Thailand. All right. How about Why don't you, you all get everybody huh? to have, how about? How about getting everybody to, to send, you know, the stuff? What's it, Jessica Alba's uh, company, Honest? Or is Honest. that her company? Uh, is it? Uh, the Honest, yeah. How about getting every? How, why don't everybody send Honest products to to my daughter, who's having a child? That's <laughs> honestly, that's Barry. A, honestly, Barry, come on. That's a great. I think that's a, that's a great idea, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> I guess that's a little selfish. Maybe I can get maybe Dawn, maybe I can just get maybe I can just get Dawn to do it. She'll Dawn. I'll I'll, I'll get Dawn to send honest stuff, and uh, I'll I'll distribute it back out. I'll regift. <laughs> that's, that's conservation. That is. That's, that's, that's conservation. An upcycle, isn't it? Right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'm just going to do regifting. Uh, <laughs> conservation regifting. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Who's How next? about you, Alex? What's, what's on your holiday, your green holiday list, your green Christmas list? You know, I have so many things, but I'm going to pick one that kind of plugs what I'm going to create. I'm creating right now, if you don't mind. 
Well, you know, we're, we're we're in the middle of COVID, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but PPE is a huge issue in terms of landfill. Huge issue. Oh, yeah, and, you know? and mask, right? And mask, mask, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm doing my walk, and I, I see mask discards everywhere, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, my natural instinct when I see things on the ground that I can, you know, throw away to pick it up, but with a mask, I'm just scared. You know, it's weird. It's like Logical, I see a mask and I'm afraid to pick it up because I'm thinking it's contaminated. Mm. <laughs> <You know>? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's probably no more contaminated than, than you know, a, a candy wrapper or a right. bottle right. or whatever, right? But it's just psychological. And just think about how many masks people go through like billion, <laughs> you know? yeah. right? So so, it, but it's necessary. We, we live in these times and, you know, until we find a vaccine, we all take the vaccine, we're all get rid of this COVID, it's necessary and it works. So we have to wear it, I get it. Um, there's gotta be a better way. So, you know, people use, they use, they use cloth masks, they use gaiters, whatever, but gosh, they're not as effective. You look at the CDC data and they're not as effective because it absorbs a lot of moisture and that's where the, the, the virus lives. So speaking of Philippines, there's a natural, there's a natural fiber from the Philippines called abaca, abaca banana tree. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a banana tree without, um, without um, bananas yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's just a banana tree without bananas what do you think of that Um, and somebody her name starts with an E ends with a P kind of (laughs) you know turned me on to this mentored me on this <laughs> and I looked into it. I, well, I don't know. It starts with an E, ends with a P, and she, she she's on a podcast with us every Saturday. I don't know who to come to. <laughs> no, not 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 Elizabeth. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I can't I can't be listening to advice from young whippersnappers. <laughs> she's a, but she's a star. She's a star. Hey, do you know? Do you know that some people just call her Chief? I mean, oh. she's just, who might that be? Who might that be? I mean, I mean and she and she does organic, uh, organic marketing, yeah. social media mm-hmm. for for all for everybody in the Philippines. Well, she I eats mean, organic she does, food she and she does, does organic marketing. And what do you think of that? <laughs> she's got, she's got no panic. It's organic. <laughs> Don't panic. It's organic. <laughs> So, anyways, this abaca bananas, this this fiber that they make, believe it or not, is almost as effective. Actually, is more effective than an N95 mask, according to government tests. So, not only is it effective, but it's a banana leaf, so you can just pretty much recycle it. It just it's biodegradable. Biodegradable, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you can compost it. You can compost it. Yeah, exactly. So I got my hands on this fabric, and we're cutting it now. I should get samples like in a week. Wow. Yeah, awesome. in a week. It was hard to get because, as you know, Elizabeth, you and I've been talking. They're, they're sold out, right? Everybody wants this, mm. this fabric. Yeah. But I got my my grubs on them. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
So, very nice. If you don't get anything this Christmas, cool. get something that's biodegradable, that's useful but biodegradable. Okay. And organic, so that you don't panic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> organic. Don't panic. It's organic. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Who's next? Wow. Um, well, that those are great ideas. So Barry Claus, that's what we're going to call you this year, since uh, we're just going to set a standard. Uh, Barry Claus. I thought Barry he was going to be Barry White. Barry White. Barry, Barry White Claus. Barry White. <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be sending out CDs to all your never too many Barry White CDs. <laughs> never too much Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas with Barry White. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but we're, we're going to stream it, Barry, because we're, we're trying to be environmentally sound. We're going to stream it. <laughs> no CDs. <laughs> yeah, the environment. I love it. Never too much environment. Never too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I think the best advice we can give for people who are Christmas shopping already and doing getting all their holiday presents together is to really think about what they're buying. Don't buy products that pollute the ocean. Don't buy products that can't be reused or composted or, or something, you know, um, because it's the it's the waste factor. You know, how can we design products that don't end up as trash and, and start thinking about those things? Um, which which will be the great, you know, and it's, it's fun. It's adventure shopping just to try to think about these things. Um, for me, my favorite Christmas present that you're all going to get this year is I give everybody a whale adoption for Christmas. And again, that's through Dr. Payne's foundation. Oh, wow. Whale adoption. Cute. Ocean Alliance. And they have them all different levels of price points, but you know, you can adopt a whale, you get a certificate with your name on Hi. it. You get to know your whale's name. So one of the whales we adopted was Etch a Sketch, and they get you know they really do a sweet little thing, and they're you know affordable. It's a sweet little gift. Um, you know you can do all different levels, but they start at like twenty five dollars, and you're and you're protecting something. You're adopting something, and you feel connected to something. And thanks to this pandemic, and um, we're so disconnected that I think that's a really fun um, gift to give. So that's my, my, that's what's coming under our Christmas trees that we hope to plant. What were we going to talk about with planting trees? Yes. Oh my goodness. You know, let's, let's make that as a theme. Then we, we adopt a whale and then we replant the trees in California. Well, the world too. But <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think you're right. Plants are also a great idea as a gift because you know it doesn't matter how big the the leaf you know the plant is, they also help to clean the air. Even the small uh, abaca plant can helps to clean the air. Yes. It doesn't matter. You know, small things makes a big difference. Yeah, I think you're right. Plants are great gifts. I'll probably give my friends some all of their plants. <laughs> and you love plants too. I, I know you. You love I plants. Do. Yeah, you can actually Google like the 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 best uh, plants that cleans the air a lot that you can have in your you know backyard, your garden, or in your balcony if you don't have a garden. It's amazing how these tiny plants can help clean the air. So let's plant a tree. We're gonna plant a tree. We're gonna save the whale. 
materials. We're going to not touch plastic. We're going to buy cruelty-free products. What else are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to try not to fly so much more. <laughs> yes, we're all going to take the boat. We're going to take the boat. Yep. We're going to take the boat. This sounds like the pathway to New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Come on, Barry. You're the last one. You still haven't given us what would be a good Christmas, green Christmas this year. I told you, diapers. <laughs> diapers. <laughs> oh, cloth diapers, right? Cloth diapers. Yeah, yeah. The cloth cloth diapers? Yes, yeah. cloth diapers. I mean, for anybody having a child, give them, give them uh, you know, environmentally safe uh, baby things. And, of course, my daughter just happens to be having a child. Just don't throw that in. But, yeah, but, you, you have to convince no, her to wash thing. the cloth diapers, though. That's, <laughs> I know that's it's been a while for you, Barry. I, I wonder, they must have some disposables that are, that are, uh, that are cool, uh, I think. But that, uh, that would be the, that would be the gift. It's the only gift I can think about because I, I, although the plant thing, I, I kind of go with the plant thing because I, I gave my mom a plant once. And of course, now I'm late for calling her. But I have, uh, I gave her a plant and it was really a cool thing. You know, I mean, taking care of it is almost like, you know, some of us believe that plants and things like that actually have uh, have, have life. And um, she she got so much into taking care of it. I, I, I think I'm going to, I think, I think giving somebody a plant, as you, you were talking about there, is really a cool thing if they'll take care of it. But they have plants now that you don't have to do very much for. Science has advanced in terms of helping a plant live a long time. And uh, when I got my mother a last plant, uh, she, you know, she was able to, I don't know, she had it a long time. I mean, but I might do that again this Christmas. OneTreePlanted.org. That's where you can go. Yes. And then Ocean Alliance, www.whale.org is how you can adopt your whale. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been such an amazing conversation. You know, we can talk for like hours about environment. We we, we can. So many things to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, I think... Well, for all of our listeners, I think we have 23 listeners, right? <laughs> and growing. Thank you so much. And growing. Thank you so much for spending, you know, part of your day with us. We really, really appreciate all of our 23 followers, uh, subscribers. Shout out to all of you. <laughs> I we can, hope we can that, still count you with, with yeah. our hands, our fingers. Mm-hmm. We'll probably do this shout out on the, on the next podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening and I hope that you all enjoy this podcast and uh, if you want to learn more about the Over My Shoulder Foundation, just go to our website. It's going to be on the description and follow us on, subscribe to our YouTube and our other social media. All right. Excellent. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for all of you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Have a Bye. great weekend. Hey, thanks. Bye, Barry White. See you. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, never too much Barry White. Never too much. Barry White signing off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Bye. 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 Bye.